Right here on Radio 3, it's 12 minutes past 10, Steve Vines. Good morning. Man of the hour. How are you, <laughs> my boy? <laughs> well, good to see you. We're here for, if you want to get in touch, drop us a line, morningbrew at rthk.hk, or check us out on Facebook. Now then, in the paper, I note, Beijing's foreign ministry representative in Hong Kong has accused Britain's last governor of the city, Chris Patton, of a reckless disregard for the truth and, a confusi- and, and confusing black and white. Now, it follows Patton's remarks in an RTHK television interview during a visit to the city last week in his capacity as Chancellor of the University of Oxford. It goes on. But the cool thing is, you were the geezer what interviewed him. Yeah, this was... Spill the, the beans, <laughs> my boy. The, this was for the Pulse. Yeah. Um, if you read a certain English um, language newspaper, you won't see the name of the programme mentioned, but that, that indeed is the name of the programme. And... Um, what was really interesting about that was that he, I asked him, you know, <coughs> do you ever think we will see um, the the concept of Hong Kong people ruling Hong Kong being realised? And he said, you know, democracy's had a bit of a bad name recently, and I, I think he was talking about um, things that have happened, say, in the Middle East, yeah, where, sure. where, where regimes have been overthrown and it hasn't exactly been peace and light. But then he said, oh, but I think it will come sooner than you think. Which was, in my view, a upbeat assessment of, of of progress in Hong Kong. The Chinese foreign ministry, for reasons entirely unclear, I mean really entirely unclear, chose to translate these remarks into Chinese, but um, put different words on them. They actually did a Klingon transcript. <laughs> so so they, 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 they translated it as having Patton saying that, you know, since the handover of power... Um, China has slowed down the, the moves towards democracy. Well, he's far too old a political uh, game player to, to say things like that, even if he does think that. I don't want to put words into his mouth because this seems to be what the Chinese foreign ministry specialises in doing. So he doesn't make those sort of explicit criticisms of how China. It's what he behaved. doesn't say that always it's tickles me. It's what he doesn't me. say, but that's, you know, that's how... But, but you know, you, you, you can't say, well, he didn't conveniently say what we want him to say, therefore we'll translate it as saying what we think he should have been saying. I mean, so when you when you <laughs> accuse somebody of, of saying things that you don't like, and you base that on your own version of what they've said, the, very... the waters get very murky indeed. And what they, of course, what they wanted to say was that, um, and this is now the new line, is that you know all of this discussion about constitutional reform and democracy in Hong Kong is foreigners meddling in. Um, in the internal, internal affairs, affairs. Of, of the Chinese people. And I was just thinking about this the other day. You know, of course, there's never been any foreign influence on the Chinese Communist Party. I mean, uh, Marxism, that, that's a... Where does that come from? Oh, yes, Karl Marx and Friedrich Engels. They were both German last time I looked. And then there was Mikhail Borodin, who, who, who of course doesn't appear much in the textbooks about the Chinese Communist Party, but it was Borodin who was one of the key people who formed and brought the Chinese Communist Party to power by forging the strategic alliance between the Communist Party and the, and the Guomindang in the 1920s. Yeah. Now, Borodin was, of course, Russian, 
as the name would suggest. Michal's a bit of a giveaway in that context. And Borodin um, was... That's a Hong Kong a, name. Was a, he, 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 he used to be from Sham Shui Po, but he moved to Russia. Um, but before that, um, he was an agent of the Communist International, the Comintern, mm. which was the international body of the um, Communist Party of the Soviet Union, which went around the world stirring up revolutions and organising revolutionary acts. So, you know, um, that seems to me to be a sort of foreign intervention in the internal affairs of China. Mad Hatter's Tea Party. Oh, and then, of course, there's the organisational genius of the Communist Party. That comes from that other well-known Confucian scholar, Vladimir Ilyich Lenin. So, you know, I, I love these people. They know, to them, history is a stranger. We don't need to talk about anything to do with the past because the past is a foreign country. It's got nothing to do with us. So suddenly the new line is, oh, these constitution forms, this democracy, it's all foreign stuff. We can't be having any of that here. Not in China, which has never had foreign influences, doesn't know anything about this sort of stuff. I mean, I just, I just love it. The thing, the thing is, I mean, it's also, as always, unsophisticated. There are a handful of people in Hong Kong who read both English and Chinese. Well, there's that. I mean, you're, you're, you're referring Not back many. to the... <laughs> well, it's quite a lot. Yeah. But you're referring back to the Patnins view. I mean, the, the unfortunate thing, and I'm, I'm sorry to say this to the boys at the Foreign Ministry, because, you know, I'm sure they're very wonderful and that they're very good with dogs and small animals, but... Um, the, the unfortunate thing is that RCHK actually keeps an enormous archive on its website. So if you want to, you can go to the archive, you can check it out, you click on the pulse, you can see the interview and you can see what he actually said. You don't need to make any of this stuff up. It's all there in the public domain on the record. But there is a kind of arrogance in this that, that says, well, if we translate that interview as having said that, that's what it said. Full stop. And that's that. And that's that. You can look at the interview and you may hear other words coming out of that man's mouth, but, hey, we've already said what he said and we're not going to have a lot of argument about that. And, of course, all the usual the usual sycophants and, and, uh, and the um, backside kisses, which I believe is the polite version of that, um, go around and go, oh, you see, oh, that pattern, mm, very bad, coming here, meddling in Hong Kong affairs, oh, do, 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 very bad, very bad. I'll tell you what, Steve, I haven't seen... I know there's no logic to this at all, but I haven't seen so many colonial flags and Union Jacks. Yes, I asked him about that, actually, as well, and he said, in that sort of wry way, he said, well, you know, you mustn't uh, mistake nostalgia for, um, um, for, 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 for political reality. Uh, I mean, a lot of this, I think, is being deliberately provocative by oh, these for sure. people. You know, they're saying... Pushing oh, you, buttons, you, aren't they? You know, uh, we know that the Chinese don't like it, therefore we'll bung up the colonial flag, we'll, we'll run up the Union flag, and they will really not like it. And guess what? They're quite right. They don't like it. Well, Patton coming to Hong Kong is going to get quite... <laughs> it probably did get quite a lot of world press, too. I mean, certainly not on page, it, it, not on page one. No, but, but, it, it, and, but here, I mean, it's very interesting. I saw... Um, him, you, you know, before we did the interview, and um, just, just just walking around talking to people and talking to himself. Well, well you know, I mean, this is interesting. He hasn't been governor of Hong Kong since, strangely enough, 1997, and um, you know, people still seem to react to him. They do indeed, strongly on a personal basis. I mean, people were literally sort of pushing forward to try and you know shake the hand, have a word, and all of this stuff. Were they still calling him governor? <laughs> no. 
I mean, just... Dice. No, they weren't, actually. That's no, interesting. No. I mean... They, they, and the other thing, of course, I ought to say that he is more formally um, Lord Patton, or indeed Baron Patton. Of cake. Uh, <laughs> Patton of cake. <laughs> of egg tarts, yeah. yes. Um, but, um, you, you know, they, they, I, I noticed they all of him called... Everybody called him Mr Patton, and he, he didn't bother to say, well, you know, uh, um, actually, you call me Lord if you like. Do you know, I, I mean, interesting, not all the stuff was written in Chinese characters very brazenly. There was a big thing saying, save us from yes. this hell. Yes. That says it all, doesn't yes, it? Yes, it is. I mean, I, I, I just contrast this, and you can't help contrasting this, by the fact that the current chief executive of the Hong Kong simply will not go in the streets at all. You'd never, ever see him. He goes to formal occasions with a phalanx of police and bodyguards and people wearing those mysteriously similar suits and little badges in their in their buttonholes. He, he goes to those occasions, but as far as I know, and Mr. Leung, if I'm wrong, please do call in and correct me. I haven't. Uh, I'm yeah, the, phone the phone is ringing. <laughs> the phone is ringing. I haven't seen him actually go out on the streets for the last few months ever. He just doesn't do it. And, and, and one of the reasons he doesn't do it is he knows pretty well what would happen if he did. So, you know, when you have a, a, a person in charge of a government who is so fearful of the people he governs, so reluctant to make any bodily contact with them, there's something very, very wrong. Remember listening... I mean, even... I'll just, just, just give you an example. Even Francois Hollande, who, who apparently is the most unpopular president since the Second World War... You still see him wandering into cafes and um, uh, and wandering around. And, and uh, during the election, he was out and about. The, the, the municipal elections they've just had in France, he, he, he was out and about. You know, I mean, I think people just say that if the leader of the government can't face the people, you're, he's, he's, he's beyond dead. I remember some time ago, one of Patton's return visits... He was talking to a bunch of people and he said, oh, it's lovely to be back. He said, I must say, um, I've noticed that the traffic on the streets in Hong Kong has sort of grown exponentially. <laughs> Getting around Hong Kong is really difficult for me. And then he said, mind you, I did have four police escorts. <laughs> 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 kind of funny yes, stuff, indeed. Yeah, I mean, uh, he's, got a, he's got a self-deprecating um, side Sense of humour. But, but it does help. It really does. I mean, I find that when I come in here to RTHK, having that police escort drive me into Broadcasting House, it, it, it makes... It's the lot. police escort driving you out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. You come this way, sir. You like to step into the van. Well, we we've, got, we've got a few things to get into uh, after the news. But whilst we're on the topic, I mean, you know, loosely it was put around some exhibition or whatever at the Maritime Museum. But which other areas did you get into? You speak Patanese very well. You've done it for many years. Well, we talked about, um, I, I mean, one of the, the, the things I asked him, and it's, it's a bit corny, but it, it, it's a kind of inevitable question, is, you know, what does he miss about Hong Kong? Fair enough. And he, he said, I mean, this is interesting. I've heard him say it before. Neptunes. But he, he, <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't get into the Ektart issue at all. Yeah. But he said, you know, one of the things about being governor of Hong Kong is, you know, he's been a government minister in, in, in Britain. And he's, he's run big government departments. But he said, in Hong Kong, you can sit at your desk and plan something out, and it gets done. You know, you say, uh, we need to, you know, put a hospital in, in um, wherever it is, or, mm. or we need to do this, and it gets done. Yep. Now, he didn't draw any parallels about what's going on today, where, you know, the government says we need to do this, and it doesn't get done. But, I mean, it is quite interesting that one of the few 
benefits of what was widely described as the benevolent dictatorship, which was colonial rule of Hong Kong, was that if you really wanted to effect change, you could do so. And he said he, he, he's never had a job before where he could do that. I mean, you look, for example, at... And I, these aren't pattern examples, these are examples of other governors, but you look at the plan to create the public housing system. I mean, you know, from drawing board to 20 years later, half of the population was living in public housing. Yeah. That's astonishing. Let me ask you something here, Steve. I don't know if it's my imagination, but it seems these days you bring up a very good point, that the only things that really do get done and don't get lost in this grey cloud just above our heads are the big things, like the huge big things that well, everybody you're, says, you're talking like the road about to the, nowhere. The, the, these great infrastructure projects, aren't you? you know, yeah, pe- I mean, people have talked about air yeah. quality, people have talked about education, massive education, topic here for ages. housing, And it's health. just like emails I mean, you know, and consultations. These are, these are the big things that matter to people. The air you breathe the access you have to medical care if you really need it, the level of money that you need to be um, able to live a half-decent life, you know, tackling the problem of 20% of the population living below the poverty line, all of those issues, I would say nothing has been done of any substance. Why do you think this is? Do you think it goes (coughs) into civil service soup? Well, some of it is that. Some of it is a question of priorities. I mean... The, the people who run the administration nowadays, and this was also true of the colonial governors, is they, they like big concrete monuments to their rule. So they like, you know, a building, a road, a bridge. They love this sort of thing. When it comes to dealing with 20% of the population living below the poverty line, they go, oh, that's a big problem. Uh, next! This is, seems to be the, the, the way it's dealt with. And... and it's not that the civil service has got notably worse. I think it's that the leadership has got notably worse. You have people like the last um, chief executive of Hong Kong, Donald Jung, who just didn't like poor people, apparently. Well, that was, you know, I mean, hey, they're always with us, but, um, you know, if you don't like them, there's nothing to be done. Or you get the current chief executive, who is so, so preoccupied with, um, you, you, you know, making sure that he doesn't put a step a foot wrong with with the masters up north that he's he's so busy looking over his shoulder that he doesn't seem to have any time to look in front on the nose still in with steve vines well I, I i was just thinking that we might just want to talk about the events that are going on in taiwan with the students occupying it's like the, hong kong but naughtier yes i was gonna say <laughs> uh, yeah students occupying the legislative yuan and uh people here going oh, oh you see what's going on there it's going to happen here but worse it's the worst bit that I always why find. Why do we always quite, have to be better or worse? Why, why is it going to be but worse here? So now we've got the weasels um, trying to get a LegCo debate on how um, LegCo will take contingency measures against Occupy Central invading the chamber. We've got one DAB legislator talking about it as being terrorism. Let me just say to you, sir, if you've seen terrorism, you'll know what it is. This isn't it, but never mind. There's more terrorism just, just, going on in the coffee machine in our canteen. <laughs> oh, oh, we're not going to go to that, <laughs> are we? We're not going to get to that that kind of subject, are we? But, but I mean, seriously, um, it, it's interesting that all the conclusions that the people who want to draw all these conclusions from it are exactly the wrong ones. I mean, they say, ah, it's axiomatic that if there has been trouble in Taiwan, it will be worse here. Yeah. It's axiomatic that if you allow protests to get out of hand, 
um, they will get out of hand in the way they have in Taiwan. Well, actually, all that's got out of hand in terms of injury is the way that the police behaved in trying to clear the legislative demand in which 200 people were injured. Mm. That wasn't actually coming from the protesters. But, hey, these are just facts. Let's, let's not get um, caught up in a web of facts when, you, when, when, you, when you've got a story to tell. But the big story, of course, that they all miss is that one of the things that is fueling these demonstrations is not so much the fact that, that, that um, the Ma Yingzhou government wants to sign a new trade pact with, with um, China, but is their general fear in Taiwan of becoming more like Hong Kong. Now, this is interesting, oh, and it comes up. It, it, it's so widely not reported can you say that? Well, yeah. I will. I've just said it. You, it's so unreported or underreported in Hong Kong. That one of the themes of this demonstration is they're saying we're not going to be like Hong Kong. Meaning? Meaning that we don't want the kind of integration with the mainland that Hong Kong is experiencing, which is depriving Hong Kong of its autonomy, depriving Hong Kong of its identity. They're saying, you know, don't take us down the Hong Kong route. Identity is the key one, I would say. I think identity is very important to people in Taiwan. Um, you know, they have a system that works for them and they don't want to be under a system that they don't think will work for them. They have a <coughs> certain um, degree of cultural identity, as indeed to people in the various Chinese provinces, but they want to preserve it. So, you know, it's very interesting that none of these people who say, well, oh, it's a dire warning from Taiwan if you allow Occupy Central to go on, Whereas they don't understand that what's fueling this is the fear of being subjugated to a one-party state. They're not, I think, in all fairness, that bothered about the trade deal. You know, trade deals don't tend to get people that excited. It's true that it might have an implication for jobs in Taiwan. It's true <coughs> that it might mean extra competition. Um, for Taiwanese manufacturers, but on the other hand, you know, this isn't what gets people excited, frankly. It big, really big is. Picture, isn't the it? big picture is we don't want further integration into China. And look what happened in Hong Kong if you if you want to know what happens when they offer autonomy and look at the reality of the autonomy that's offered. Mm. And then they say, ah, so all of this, our conclusion, their magisterial conclusion from what's going on in Taiwan is, therefore, therefore, Occupy Central is terrorism and is dangerous and is, oh, my God, goodness knows what will happen. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it, it is laughable, but it's actually being, being traded in the market as being fact. The thing that cracks me up is I'm sure some people... <coughs> with connections to LegCo are saying, oh, you know, students taking over the LegCo there, etc., etc. I mean, that's business as usual. They've always had punch-ups in LegCo. In well, Taiwan, they, they, they do them very well internally. They don't need to bring in people from outside. I mean, this, isn't, this isn't new. But, this well, isn't I mean, new. it's, it's, well, it's, it's it, big. It, 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 it's a factor of their politics. But, I mean, I have to say in Taiwan's favour that despite this, despite the fact that the legislative yuan is, is prone to the odd punch-up, you know, I mean... The system does work there. Governments can change with through through elections. Um, <clears throat> the economy has prospered in in a way that has been very impressive indeed since the dictatorship of the Kuomintang ended. Yeah, I mean these are these are the objective situations in Taiwan. Is that Taiwan is a hundred miles from being a basket case? It has oh, flourished gosh. as a democratic society. Do you know there's a Facebook page <coughs> that's all about? 
leave Hong Kong and go to Taiwan. Oh, is that like is that what's that? E- e- you know emigrate, whatever the emigrate, yes, to yes. Taiwan or something like oh, that. And okay. it's with this vibe in mind. I see. Well, it's a very exciting place to be, and um, people there do cherish their liberty. I'd there, love to there's go. there's a nice an- anarchistic streak I've always noticed when I've gone to Taiwan, which is I it? I kind of admire. It's a sort of rather funky place. As Everybody well. says. I tell you what people say about Taiwan. They say you'd really <laughs> love it. They say it's very Chinese, but in a cool way. It is. It is. I think that's that's not a bad description at all. Yeah, but it's quite interesting to think of, you know, people um, occupying Legco's, etc., etc. What was it recently? Some geezer stood two inches the wrong side of the barrier in Legco, and apparently he broke in. Oh, my God. To no, Legco. Did he? Or two of them. Remember that? Is, a few that, weeks is back? that terrorism? Well, I suppose it's so. It, yeah, yeah. If you're a member of the DAB and you're sitting in the legislative chamber, maybe, maybe it is. I mean, honestly, I, I, I do wonder... Uh, the, the the quality of analysis you get from certain quarters in 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 Hong Kong, and I will name names if you really force me. <laughs> Anybody who wants to break into Legco, I mean, it must be really not liking their day job or something. Yeah, well, um, it couldn't make proceedings any less interesting than they are at the moment. I tell that, you, that that that, that, that the, the sort of you know determined drone. The big thing you came up with, though, Steve, it's very interesting. They don't want to be like Hong Kong. First I've heard of it. That's a very interesting theory. And it's just not, 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 not been covered here as, as being a factor. What do you know? Well, hey, what do you know? I mean, it, and, and it's interesting, there was a delegation of um, Hong Kong students who went over to join the protesters. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, yesterday, in fact, I think it was. Uh, and, and, you know, they, they addressed the the people there and they said you know um um blah 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 whatever they said and and apparently they cha- chanted you know while they were standing there the, the people in the crowd chanted you know taiwan hong kong taiwan hong kong this is not the politically correct chant that um, perhaps the comrades would have liked to well, have it's, heard. it's obvious that 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 comradeship if you like with a small c is what's brewing well maybe it is i mean i think there's seeds of it there certainly is a lot of um cross fertilization between the opposition movements in Hong Kong and Taiwan. And I think that, um, you know, Taiwan and Hong Kong really are very different. I mean, they're very different cultures. But <coughs> the the two things that, that are treasured on both sides of the Taiwan Strait yeah. is, is the idea of liberty. I mean, you know, I can't imagine that anybody in Taiwan would vote vote, and this is the operative word, to go back under a dictatorship. And remember, the dictatorship they had there, its its raison d'etre was to be anti-communist. So they didn't like that dictatorship any more than they liked the dictatorship of the Communist Party. Let's change page. Good topics and comments from Steve, as always, says Steve. Just have to ask, though, regarding the news on mobile TV, HKTVs and TVVs, licences, etc., he says, I mean... Haven't the government just <coughs> been caught bang to rights on double standards? He said, I'm a bit hungover and I might be missing something. Can you clarify? No, I don't think you're missing anything at all. I, I, Get back on it, son. Well, <laughs> you know, it seems to me that uh, no amount of drink taken can, um, can obscure the fact that this is, this is a most bizarre situation. Can you explain this one, too? Well, I, I mean... <laughs> I'd understand if I was hungover, but yeah, I'm not. I, I think, um, let's start at the back and move towards the front. Go on, then. At the back, you've got Ricky Wong, who's very upset that Hong Kong TV didn't get its licence for free-to-air broadcasting. And then he said, well, you know, um, I'll, I'll launch this other service. And then the, the, the government quickly said, oh, your, your other service is likely to be, you know, mobile broadcasting of television. Very, very bad. You don't have a licence for that. And then he said, well, how come TVB and ATV are doing mobile broadcasts without a licence? And they said, oh... 
that's entirely different. Different entirely budget. Entirely different. Comes under, you know, section 103, uh, that's section M, um, brackets 74. Um, no, I know, I'm making all that up. Um, the fact of the matter is that, that, that they've, they've deemed that basically if you're TVB or ATV, um, what you do is the law and um, we'll interpret it in that fashion. I, ha- I, I honestly am no expert on the small print here. But what I do understand, and I didn't understand at the beginning of this dispute, is that when the government decided to um, increase the number of free-to-air licences by bringing um, PCCW and cable TV into the fold, I thought, and I think most people in Hong Kong thought, that one of the reasons why there was a limit on these licences was there wasn't enough spectrum for... Space, there wasn't enough space. You know, you you, you could only... And, of course, under the old technology, this is true, there is only so much space. But they're not using that technology. There is... You could have, quite literally, a hundred programmes, a hundred companies broadcasting a free-to-air service in Hong Kong, and the only determinant of whether they existed or died would be whether anybody wanted to watch them and whether they would be commercially supported. Mm -hmm. So you have a system that regulates licences on grounds of scarce resources when, uh, oh, that's right, there aren't any scarce resources whatsoever. So what's the deal here, then? (laughs) The deal is control. It's as simple as that. And and for some reason, Ricky Wong, and I say for some reason because he's not, you know, he's not a great Democrat or anything like that, has 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 sort of somehow raised suspicion in Beijing, and they've said, don't give this man a license. So the very independently and vigorously minded members of the Hong Kong government said, yes, sir. So now you just end of story. To, you now just have to fudge things. So and, now, and basically end up lying. It, so it, it, so it, now it, what you have is narrow interpretation of the rules to make sure that not only can he not have a free to air license, but it's very difficult to broadcast. In fact, impossible to broadcast um, mobile mobile TV. And um, he's saying that. Um, well, you know, if that is the case, apparently now he's trying to sell his programmes in, in, into the Asian market more generally. Yeah. But, you know, that means that if he's making good programmes in Hong Kong, we won't be able to see them in Hong Kong. I think that's a great result.